Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health and fitness. This is episode 54, and joining me on today's show is Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics. Tim is the co-founder of the School of Calisthenics and has been a professional strength and conditioning coach working in elite sports since 2008. David Jacko Jackson was a professional rugby player for 14 years until, unfortunately, his career was cut short due to a head injury. Hi guys, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is the voice of Tim for anybody who's not come across us before. And, and Jacko, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. I think we, we were both being more polite than we would normally be. There was this awkward, that awkward silence was us each going, no, no, you go first. You go, oh, no, you go first. But yeah, no, this is, um, this is a slight, that was a slightly higher pitched tone of, uh, of Jacko for some reason. But yeah, this is, this is me, Jacko or David. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, for the for the listeners and the people that perhaps haven't come across the School of Calisthenics before and Calisthenics itself, can you kind of give us a bit of background into Tim and Jacko and how you come to create um, the School of Calisthenics? Well, the first thing is we've got to correct the, the pronunciation, which everybody always gets wrong. <laughs> Eat the letters yeah, in the on. right order, read them left to right, take them quickly. <laughs> people, get, people panic around the end, around it gets the E in the end, but it's, it's calisthenics. Um, but it's actually right. an interesting background of where it comes from. If you say calisthenics to an Australian, they think you're doing aerobics. Um, right. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure where the... Um, the different variations come from but ultimately what we're talking about is progressive bodyweight training um that might stem from anything around um push-ups pull-ups dips bodyweight squats versions of those kind of things and, and as we we scale it those those they become more complex through to things like um muscle-ups handstands human flags back levers and if you want to get down the advanced routes planches and, and front levers um so it looks a lot like strength-based um gymnastics training but without the kind of artistic flair leotards and pointy toes <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and I, I think that's kind of where where i kind of associate with it is, is obviously obviously gymnastics so both you guys have got um a long history in um i guess fitness and so can you just kind of respectively take us through your backgrounds they're quite different aren't they uh, yeah, uh, I'll I'll go first. And um, so I played all sorts of sports growing up, and um, had a professional rugby clear, career that was going. I was going into my fourteenth season, um, and had a head injury, which um, had a seizure on the pitch, and that caused me to um, obviously leave that career. I was that wow. was back in two thousand and thirteen, and it was yeah. about that time I met Tim um, through a mutual friend of ours uh, that go to the same church as us that. Um, he introduced me to Tim because he was an S&C coach that had um, gone through um, just the route he'd taken into the strength and conditioning world uh, was something that opened up an opportunity or seemed like it could be an opportunity for me. So um, I, would, I needed a new career. I'd always been interested yeah. in training. And um, yeah, so I went through the same um, education system sort of that he did and effectively 
became his little understudy and under his tutelage. <laughs> um, you know, we started off, oh, that, that starting point, Tim will I'll let Tim tell a bit more about that, but was in Paralympic sport. And then it was from there, then in 2016, we started um, with the School of Calisthenics. Um, right. So Tim, do you want to, you, you can plug yeah. in the gaps around that sort of journey. Yeah, so it, it kind of began as, as, as um, Jack sort of alluded to. I'm, I've been a strength and conditioning coach for about 12 years. I started 2008 working um, all levels of the performance pathway, but probably found my specialism in, in Paralympic sports um, as part of the British team uh, for Rio 2016 and, and predominantly done quite a lot of work in athletics and, and swimming with, with, with athletes who have competed at, at sort of at the highest levels of their sport so we came into calisthenics um a little bit as an experiment really I'd, i've had two um shoulder reconstructions from multiple dislocations playing rugby um and i'd done all the rehab stuff in the book and none of it had worked and i was i was starting to get into my career as a strength and conditioning coach about the last time i had a dislocation um and it, it wasn't I, I just had no faith or confidence in my shoulders ability to go and train the way that i wanted to train and move the way that i wanted to move um and I got to a point where I was fairly desperate and decided on holiday one time. My wife is South African. They've got a place out down um, outside of Cape Town by the sea. And I was like, I don't want to train indoors. It's beautiful out here. I'm going to train outdoors. I'm going to teach myself um, some calisthenics. And I started looking around and, and thought, okay, handstand's a good place to start and, and a back lever. I'm just going to play around with, with some of this stuff. Um, and, and some of it was for my own sort of uh, experiment of going well if I can if I can handstand that's going to give me some confidence that my shoulder's stable um, but it was also just exploring different modalities that we could use with the athletes and how we can bring some yeah. variety to a training program um, so yeah, we tell this story now and it, when I put my hands on the ground for the first time I didn't know if my shoulder was going to stay in the socket it, it was that unstable right. um, fortunately it did and that sort of set us off on a journey <laughs> of exploring calisthenics and just it all began because we were just having a good time both Jacko and I had done a lot of training yeah. in the gym over the years and we'd done hypertrophy training and strength endurance training and Olympic lifting. And it was all, it got to the point of my training career, I guess, where um, it was just more of the same. So I was just doing, well, should I do bench right. press, but 12 reps or should I do five? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just this, the adaptation I was looking for was a bit different. And what calisthenics represented to us was something completely different. It was new, novel. We were just having a good time. And um, one yeah. of our favorite compliments that someone paid us once was a girl walked across the floor in the gym to us and said, what are you boys doing when you're training? Because it looks like you're just pissing about. Um, and <laughs> that is what we were doing. We were just having a good time. Yeah. We were seeing what we could balance on. And we were rubbish. Like, we've got no gymnastics background, both right. broken rugby players. We, we, if if someone like, sees what we do now and goes, oh, I could never do that. Like You should have seen where we were yeah. six years ago because we were absolute yeah. toilet. I need I need to get some of the uh, the old GoPro footage out from back in 2014 <laughs> yeah. when we first had like to keep just, that locked to away, Jacko. Don't bring that yeah, out. We'll lose credibility. But like as Tim said, you you yes, like I've had this conversation with my wife before actually, where she you know she's working on like being able to do an unassisted pull up, and she feels like very much a beginner. And she was like, yeah. "You said you were a you start as a beginner, but you know." you could you you had a load of strength training in your in your in your bank effectively from all the rugby work that you'd done mm. um which is you know which is true but in terms of like our handstand like i could not we could not kick up and like hold a flipping sausage like absolutely <laughs> like nothing um and there's a couple of things that like i it took me a year to run without getting a headache um wow. after my head injury so but i was able to get into doing some a bit more of the strength work and things and initially i thought that um 
I was just going to hit the gym. I loved the gym. I was just going to yeah. carry on doing weights and just get ripped. That was like it. Um, yeah. Once I finished playing rugby, and I found that my motivation to train just like dropped off a cliff. I used to mm. pride myself on being the most, you know, hardest working. You know, there's a lot of other players that were that were better than me, but they wouldn't outwork me type of thing. Right. My motivation to, to train was always off the charts. And um, when I was now just training for the sake of training, I was like looking in the mirror at the gym doing bicep curls going, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was bored. I needed something yeah. different. And that's where that, as Tim said, playing around with some of these different movements were like, I was looking at myself going, you could do anything with your training right now. And you're choosing to do the same exercises yeah. that you were doing when you were playing rugby because I don't know, it just didn't have, wasn't, you know, wasn't looking outside of the box, but I had a desire to look outside the box and yeah. had a little peek into the calisthenics box and never looked back. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I think it's fascinating. And like I said to you just before we started recording, I've literally only come across a, across this probably about a month, six weeks ago. And it, and it, like you said, Jacka, it fascinates me because it's, I don't know whether it's the time that we're in, but particularly around acting an idiot and playing, you know, I, I think yeah. us men, that never comes out of us. No matter how old we are, we are still little boys and kids inside. And I think yeah. that ability to actually, in an adult environment, act like an idiot and play around and not get sectioned is is quite good. So um, I, I think the other thing is, it's quite interesting, like your backgrounds, because I've it seems to be a theme with guys and, and doing kind of alternative, what I would call alternative fitness, i.e. away from standard gym type stuff. Because I've had Ollie Frost on, um, oh, yeah. who also ruined himself, I think, in, in rugby or, you know, had a hard time in rugby. And also Richie Norton as well, which, uh -huh. who's, you know, he was on your, your yeah, live yeah. podcast as They're well. So, it, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, what rugby does to, to, to guys and makes them kind of uh, seek alternative kind of fitness. But as you, as you said, you know, it, it's been around for – I was avoiding saying calisthenics. Then. <laughs> you did that. Was good. Scared good. Now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's been around for quite some time, but why do you think it is now? I mean, it seems to me that it seems to be hugely popular right now um, and growing in popularity. But why do you think it's now that it's it's slowly coming, you know, to to kind of the forefront, if you like? Um, um, I th I'll, I'll just chuck in yeah, something yeah. initially, like that. There's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a shift all round in that, and, and this has been happening over let's think more sort of like decades rather than just in the last sort of few months or in the last like yeah. year or a couple of years. In that, you know, when I was growing up, I did a hundred sit ups every morning and every night, so I wanted a six pack like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Did you get one, Jack? Did, the, did it work? <laughs> I did, and, and the problem was I did too many, <laughs> yeah. and I grew um, something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I have I have over enlarged. My, my arms are bigger than my chest, and that's a, that's a little bit of a right. problem. But you know, it's not like Tim teases me about it, and I haven't got a complex about no. it, and I don't talk about it on podcast. <laughs> you just but, haven't um, got a complex about it, mate. Let's go. That nah, no, no. <laughs> I think actually I haven't. You've got a complex about it. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, but the, the notion, the narrative we were told, and like I, you know, as a, as a kid, I liked all of your Superman, your um, your He Man's, and all those characters and figures were like big muscly dudes literally yeah. like Arnold Schwarzenegger and we were Tim's wrote a, a beautiful blog about um about this actually for the Huffington Post um but we that was what everyone was sort of striving to do and then you you get to a point where you know when I was playing rugby I remember being at like a an England under 16 trial and it was like 
that I didn't get in and they said you know, I just wasn't big enough like I was tiny right. as a kid um, yeah. like stick thin I played my first game of professional rugby at 18 and I was uh, I think 10 and a half stone which is like right. n- like wet through like nothing and I was just told you're just not big enough and that was a story I got told my whole life effectively um, and I was never a big rugby player even when I was bigger and I, I weigh about 80 kilos now um, but the, the, there's a, there's been a bit of a shift in a lot of people. Like as you get into sort of our age bracket, your late sort of thirties, and you, you've done, you don't want to take steroids because that's just not your bag. And then you realise that <laughs> yeah. well, I'm never going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then the yeah. people have now started to shift around, understanding a bit more about, you know, there's there's more of a nice a nice aesthetic look, a nice like muscly look, but not yeah. too much. Like it doesn't want, it just wants to look natural and normal. Your your men's health front cover models look like normal like normal guys but like guys that are in really yeah. good shape um, rather than yeah. they don't look like guys that look like the wrong gear um yeah and i think that that type of i think that and i think that's a good thing i think mentally being able to deal with how you want to look compared to how you currently look now and we can talk about some of those things um yeah. in a little bit more detail later if you want but being there being a shift around okay i want to I want to achieve something that's manageable and I want something that is, is healthy. Like what is me chasing bigger biceps? What's that doing to my, my yeah. long-term like health and you know, longevity as a, as a, as a person. Um, mm. I'm sure Tim's got some stuff on, on that as well. Uh, I think I've probably just seen a shift in the fitness industry, to be honest. And, and let's be honest, the fitness industry, has moved in directions over the years based on trends that come and go and it's constantly looking for something different and gyms are looking for new ways to attract members so they put different pieces of equipment in the gym and we'll have seen functional rigs start to find their place into mainstream fitness gyms off the back of crossfit um and a more kind of let's use inverted commas functional way to train because everyone gets a nicotine twist when you say functional even though we all know what we mean um and it's i think that calisthenics is something which has always been about people have always been doing pull-ups and people have always known that pull-ups and dips are great upper body exercises like Mm. i've seen big bodybuilders and strength coaches in the in the over the years go dips are like squats for the upper body and no one's going to argue well some those sorts of people won't argue that squats are good things to do for, for lower body strength so i think they've always been around but i think it's just um i think we may be a little bit sort of skewed i would be interested to have this conversation with a 16 to 22 year old um, versus yeah. what a lot of people come through to us and, and probably potentially your audience as well of 28, let's say 27 to 55, where we've yeah. been around the block a bit. We know where that training leads. We've probably come out and hitting our mid thirties, forties going, Do you know what? Mm-hmm. My flipping body's broken and yeah. Yeah. I've got 40 years left potentially that I really want to use to move. And I want to ski with my kids and I want to go and play football and just yeah. humping weights in the gym, like it's a bit boring. <laughs> like yeah. humping was a bad word then, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> um, uh, we could talk, yeah. So um, and, and and it's just I I everyone says that to us. It's growing. It's massive. It's exploding. And I'm like, we're in it all the time, and we consume a yeah. lot of content around it. So to us, it's kind of like we kind of we're almost um, sheltered or immune to that a little bit. So it's mm. nice to hear that people are still looking on and going, that's really growing because it's um, it's something that we're very much a part of. But it just brings something different. It's fun. Like, and, and people seem yeah. to really embrace that. And uh, before I go down a rabbit think- hole on this one, like gyms don't work. Like they're not, no. they're not, the no. gym structure doesn't, 
like if it worked, we wouldn't have seen an increase in obesity and we wouldn't have inactivity being the fourth That's biggest right. killer in the UK. So You're being able to train at home and I, I don't know, I think there's so many things, it's quite a complex answer, but I just, there's something different about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's not, it's like things go around in, in circles, don't they? And, and, and you yeah. have like fads of this, that, the other. And, but literally doing, as Tim said, doing pull-ups and dips and push-up and body weight stuff is always part of people's programs because it's so accessible and they're good and it's, and it's good stuff. Um, yeah. there's nothing, there's, there's nothing like controversial about whether like, like whether a push-up performed properly is a good yeah. thing for your whole like body. And it's a little bit more inclusive of everything rather than isolating certain muscles. And I think it's something yeah. that it's never going to go out of like fashion in that people are never going to turn around at some point and go, actually, you know what? We shouldn't bother doing pull-ups or push-ups or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas some of these other things that come and go are popular for a bit and then they, then they die off and the next thing comes out. Whereas it's, it's, mm. it's a steady, it's sort of a, like a steady player. But what happened with the likes of uh, your big guys like Frank Medrano's of this world, yeah. they took like the pull-ups and the dips and things and just took them to a different level where everyone was like, wow. Like, okay, so yeah. actually, once I'm bored of doing pull-ups, I can do 20 of them now. Like, I can turn those into like muscle-ups and front levers and things that just look mad. Like, it just looks yeah. like it's defying gravity. And that took the the bedrock of of good good sort of foundation bodyweight strength training and went here's some sexy stuff on top as well that's really fun really cool um and yeah. i think that people just got excited by that you, you're never going to get bored of seeing like a really cool human flag like or no flag. Exactly. it just doesn't it's like it's just good um yeah and i i think for me i think that's the thing you know, it, it, there's an outcome. So, so if we go back mm. to what I would call the old-fashioned gym way, you go to the gym, you do your bicep curls, you do your dips and all the pull-ups. Why do you do that? Well, because you want to look good. But then as you kind of get older and in inverted commas, mature, um, <laughs> you want to kind of do something a little bit more. And so that's like doing calisthenics. It's like, that's cool. I could do a handstand or I could do a human flag. And it's it's, I think it's similar to the CrossFit world in, in so much as if you do CrossFit, you can go to the CrossFit games, you know, and it's all got an outcome. Do you know what I mean? As opposed mm. to just doing it for because it seemed to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally. And that's one thing we try and encourage people to focus on is let's let's work towards something. Let's have a tangible goal at the end of it. So it might be that you want yeah. to do a handstand or you want to learn a human flag. But there's an end point of that process where the day comes where you can do a human flag and you'll feel like a superhero. Um, and you yeah. have to work hard for it. There'll be some real skin in the game to get to that point because it's not easy because if it was, everyone would be able to do it. And actually, if it was easy, we wouldn't be that bothered about it. We want it to be hard. Mm. Whereas yeah. you train for in a gym and lifting weights unless you've got a specific outcome like you want to build strength and power lifting or, or you're into Olympic yeah. weightlifting where there's a there's another kind of outcome or, or avenue to, to to specify down you become a general fitness enthusiast and you're surrounded by people who are interested in aesthetics and that yeah. is a we again you can go down this rabbit hole if you want to but that's a mirage like training purely for that outcome will keep mm -hmm. you interested for so long but it gets pretty boring. Yeah. Like there, there comes a point where some people will realize that it's maybe not as good for their head as it is for their, as for the wider perspective of training. But that's, that's a pretty big conversation. Yeah. And you ask, you can ask yourself, what's the, 
what's the point in that like at some point you're not going to look like you did look because no. that's just how well that's just what happens and you know let's be honest as well you, you could say the thing about there's going to be a there's going to be a point in tim's life where he's not strong enough now to do a planche he'll probably be 85 yeah. but it's going to happen yeah um yeah but that having it, it ties actually in a couple of things that we said before that you know, when I said I was bored of training and didn't have the motivation to train when I didn't have anything to aim for and it was just purely for the sake of it, that massively changed. It was like, right, I'm going to try it. Like, I wanted to do a human flag. I thought it was Photoshop the first yeah. one I ever saw. It was like, that's my goal. And that, it gave me motivation to be consistent with my training. It also required me to get strong and flexible slash mobile through yeah. the shoulders, which having been battered from rugby for however long of the whole of my life before, like it made me address things that I should have addressed anyway Yeah. around my restrictions around my body, but I had a reason then to do it. And that's what, you know, when mm-hmm. you said that picked up on that point that there's that, that reason. And it also then takes our focus away from how our body looks and it makes us focus a bit more on what can I do with my body? And as Tim yeah. said, that's such a, that's, you know, it's freeing mentally compared to mm. being, you know, comparing ourselves to others or what you, you know, whatever it may be around the sort of mental health side of things of being actually happy and content with your body because, yeah, you know, at some point it's all going to change anyway. It's, it's, it's irrelevant right. almost. Yeah. I think, I think the whole mental health thing is a big, is that's a bigger conversation. But one of the things that, that calisthenics represents for me, and it's like I said to you previously, you know, I've realized that at 47 years old, I can continue to do Ironman. But what I've realized is the more and more I train, the more and more my I get so I'm kind of fixed in certain areas of mobility. So I might get tightness on one side or tightness on another side, tightness on the bike, tightness when I'm running. And for me, calisthenics represents a, a kind of holistic approach to just movement. And, and so if we... if and you may disagree or, or, you know, correct me with this, but if you kind of remove the outcome, i.e. trying to do a human flag or a handstand, you know, I've been going through your your body uh, training uh, program and that is, you know, all of the, the, the kind of pre-stuff that you get us to do, like, you know, mo- you know, mobility, stretching, stuff like that, you know, the world's greatest stretch that you've got, I flipping hate it because I can't move in the way that you guys can move. And that just really highlights to me how important general movement and mobility is. Yeah, I think um, a couple of thoughts on that one. Like Wolf's Law will tell us that um, tissue molds along the lines of stress. So what you've effectively what that means is we get good at what we do regularly. So if you take um, Ironman, for example, like we've, I've done a lot of work in athletics and we do a lot of work in swimming. Um, I've trained some cyclists over the years. Um, yeah. And they are all sagittal play and front to back movements um typically we're gonna if we take the, the range of positions if we when we're on the bike we're going to be in a flexed hunched over position uh, when we run yeah. typically a lot of people when they get tired and the sorts of distances we're talking about in ironman are going to find themselves in that flexed position and then when we go and swim we're doing a lot of freestyle work so the shoulder comes into a rounded position as well so yeah you're just starting to tell your body that i get i need to get really good in these kind of shapes so the brain goes mm. sweet survival mode let's get really good at those shapes and then what calisthenics is going to do is all of a sudden going to put you in positions which are completely opposite to that. And you're going to ask yourself mm. now, am I strong and mobile in this shape? And surprise, surprise, you're going to find that hard because you just don't move in those ways. And that's yeah. one of the things that's really powerful about it. So even if you take something like Jacko's done a lot of work on his back bridge. So 
even as a part of a right. movement preparation exercise, let's start getting you into some spinal extension, some shoulder flexion overhead positions, and start mobilizing into the shapes that are the opposite of what you do. Because yeah. from a broader movement perspective, you want access to all of those patterns as you go through life. Mm. We don't we don't want yeah. to become specialist movers for if you're not going to be um, like a, an Olympic or like world champion Ironman competitor. Even then, I would argue we don't want to be that super specific. Your body is designed to move. It should be able to move in different ways. And and by loading the same patterns, we start to create blocks and inhibitions through the chain. The brain finds a path of least resistance. We don't move so well. So uh, calisthenics, it kind of doubles up as an opportunity to move in loads of different ways, get out of the norm of just this front-to-back patterns that we find ourselves so often in, in lots of different forms of fitness. I'm not picking on Ironman by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. But it also... one of the great things about it is it forces you to manage your ego. So you found, for example, that yeah. the world's greatest stretch is something that some people would find quite straightforward. You look at it and go, I should be able to do that. Why can't I do that? Yeah. And that's annoying, but you'll never get that better unless you humble yourself and go, do you know what? I've got to put some work into this. I need to change the way that yeah. I move. I've got to introduce some practices because I should be able to get my elbow to touch the floor in a lunge position. And if I can't, yeah. what's that doing for my spinal patterns? What's that? going to do for my swimming positions and, and my rotation that I need through my freestyle technique and, and this sort of stuff. And, and that's where the value comes of it is giving yourself movement options. And the more movement options you've got, the easier it is to move globally. And what we found yeah. with that, with, with those things is when you give yourself a reason to do those, you're then more likely to be motivated towards doing it consistently. So rather than going Okay, I know I spend loads of like the reason you spent we spend loads of time sat down in a flex pull position, even if even in everyday life, isn't because I want to sit in this position. It's just that the tasks that I've got to do in terms of driving, in terms of being in front of my laptop, like put me in that, put me into that position. So I've got to find some stuff that's going to put me into those other shapes Tim was talking about. And I just find personally, if I just do like some some ability work or stretching work, whatever you choose tool you choose to do to, to to change that. If it's just for the sake of doing it, it doesn't um, it doesn't last. It doesn't stick. I don't do it consistently enough. Whereas if yeah. I choose a movement like right, I've got a Cossack squat that I want to be able to do in some different shapes. Like uh, and my dragon pistol squat recently actually had done something that like completely felt impossible. And this is where right. like our, our catchphrase or slogan of redefining impossible does come into play. Like everything we tried initially feels impossible. But um, I, I just wanted to be able to do it. But what it required me to do was sort out my adductors and, and my, my, my hip right. flexibility and really deep um, flexion, sorry, deep squat positions in that sort of deep hip flexion. Now, if you just said to me, right, improve your adductor strength, I just wouldn't have done it. Like, no, yeah, but yeah. When it was because I wanted to do this thing, this movement, give ourselves that movement goal. That for me is is a game changer for my, or it has been a game changer for my training. And I think it resonates with quite a lot of people. Rather than like just stretch your hamstrings, when I find something that is yeah. going to make you, and there's you know there's a bigger conversation around the what the brain wants to do anyway. The brain is more interested mm-hmm. in like you know outcomes and and task focused um, movements rather than just stretching for the sake of stretching. It's not. It doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think that's what's great about your course is that you know you're doing it for an outcome. So that I think I'm in week three or four now, and we're starting to do the, the is it the frog? What, what's what's frog the, stand, that yeah. movement? 
frog stand yeah so i nearly smashed my face onto the floor on saturday um trying to do it but but (laughs) you know it's 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 exactly like you say it's like well i can't do that and i feel i should be able to do that so why can't i do it and obviously we can go back you know through your stretches and stuff and through your course and you can then understand and and i think for guys more than anything um we love the technical element of 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 most things and and if you can't do something it obviously depends on which way you're inclined but generally most guys will want to say well why can't i do that and then they start to dig into why and i find it fascinating you know the, the various different areas and mobility and, and stuff and how you how you've become conditioned because either you've been sitting in the car or working at a desk for eight hours a day and what you need to do to reverse that and i think the important thing for me is that you do have the ability to you, you may not be able to get a hundred percent at it but you do have the ability to reverse where you're at and improve mobility and stuff like that and i think for guys that are 40 i think it's really important that as we start to age that we recognize that because from what I see with older people in the gym, what happens is, you know, they just get fixed in that state, don't they? And then they just kind of just, you know, snowballs really from there. And, and you know, they, they end up in all kinds of, you know, immobile ways, if you like. So, I mean, what what's your kind of views on, you know, guys that are in their 40s that are, that do have the the mobility challenges just because of the way that we've evolved in, in order to start reversing that? Well, I think from from my perspective, um, just so on one point that you make, I think if most people take a, a bird's eye view of their movement history, it's becoming far more narrow as they go through life. And we start yeah. moving in ways which are more comfortable for us and expose us to less challenge because it's easy. So when we go to the yeah. gym, if you go and watch, if you go in a general gym and you go and watch somebody who is the average 65-year-old who's in there, They'll typically be using machines and they'll typically be doing push-pull patterns um, because actually that's the only only patterns that they've really got left. Um, Yeah. And I think that's that, that's just because we start, it's, it's a real simple principle and, and you can apply it to almost all physiology, but use it or lose it. If you don't move mm. in certain ways, you're going to lose it. Um, yeah. So for most 40-year-olds, where we've probably passed the peak of our athletic careers in most sports, unless you're in archery or something like that, snooker maybe. Right. Um, most people, yes, we can still go out and, and, and try and crush it, right? That is not an excuse to, to not be had to take the mindset of a performer like we we take that with our training you do with your ironman training there's loads of people out there that are doing really high level masters based sport yeah. my point is how do you want to move when you're 60 or when you're 70 mm. um, and we talk about investing in your physical pension no one's got an issue with putting yeah. money aside financially because they know in later life they might want to they might want to rely on that a little bit um yeah one of the most important things in my life is how well i can move because everything that i enjoy in life is based around movement and people might look at what we do and go, okay, well, yeah, you do calisthenics and it's your job, but I enjoy snowboarding and I enjoy running and I want to go and play football yeah. or rugby with my, with my little boy, Jack. And all of that stuff is movement-based. And when you spend time with people who can't move because they've, um, as they've aged, they've, their movement quality has deteriorated, life is miserable. Like it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Um, no. So I, yeah. if I would, my advice to 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds that are listening to this, and don't be put off or intimidated by what you see that we do in calisthenics pick something but just start and even if it's not calisthenics it's, it, if you if there's something else which excites you if it's if it's more yoga based movement or something but just teach yourself to move and the body will adapt it will change it's not too late um don't kind of just take it, that easy option of going oh you know i'm a bit old for that now it's not really for me I, I, yeah i've got a dodgy knee or whatever like that's just a, <laughs> yeah. a really really bad excuse 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I think, um, I think it comes back. I think you, Jackie, you said it earlier on. Ego, you know, us guys are terrible to let our ego run run wild with us and be all macho. And I know how to do that. I don't need to do that. But you, you're right in a sense that. I always use this analogy with the guys that I work with. Like I would argue that most people spend more time and effort on making sure their car is serviced every year than they do actually making sure that their body is serviced and can move in ways that it should be able to. Because I think it, you know, it also comes back to longevity as well. And I personally want to live a long and healthy life. I definitely don't want to get to my 80s and I'm intending on living a lot longer than that. Um, being in this position where I can only move in a certain way or a certain range of movements because you know your muscles deteriorate and and then things just start to deteriorate and it just you're just on the downward slide, aren't you? So you know why not wake up now and start you know the little niggles and the 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 the, the ways that you can't necessarily move or it's difficult to move, address that now and then later on in life you're not going to have as as many issues. So I think it's it's important that. You don't have to, obviously, but I think people. It's important that people recognise that, particularly d- dads and guys. Yeah, yeah. Jack, I you, you're I, I jumping love... on this. Can I just make one point real quick? Yeah. If you're in pain yeah. when you move, that's a bad mm-hmm. thing. Like you should not be yeah. in pain. That's the brain telling you that there's something wrong. So anybody who's listening to this who, who's in pain when they move, you need to get that sorted because it's it's the system yeah. telling you that there's a problem. Yeah, I, I just I love that um, the car analogy, and it's like you can be I. <laughs> I was blissfully unaware that my I got a, an old camper van, and right. a few years ago on Christmas Eve, the um, the timing belt snapped, and it just right. blew. And then that was like I had to have a brand new uh, <laughs> engine reconstructed, and yeah. that timing belt should have been changed, and there would have been no problem. But and as I was driving along, until it snapped, I was like blissfully unaware that like everything with my van yeah. is absolutely fine. And that's one of the things that I love about um, and the analogy with calisthenics is that. When you start to challenge yourself to move into some of these shapes and you see some of those things, you go, I should be able to do that. And you try and you can't, it then is yeah. actually a bit of a, it's telling you, so it's, it's feedback. It's telling you something yeah. about your body and going, you know what, rather than being blissfully unaware that like, I can't get into this shape, I'm now trying to get into that position and know that I can't do that. And you go, well, actually, maybe my hips are a bit tired than I thought. Maybe my shoulders yeah. are a bit tired than I thought. Like, we, we want to be like 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and still being able to do the things that make you happy. And a lot Definitely. of those things come down to our, our physical and mental health. And those two things go hand in hand. Um, and I think that calisthenics can be a great tool because there's no hiding place. Um, that took, you know, Tim talks about it being humbly. <laughs> it was Tim that mentioned about ego. Yeah. I, I, I still struggle to manage my ego every single time I go and do a training session, but uh, that's a different <laughs> story. But, um, it, 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 it teaches you about your body and it tells you about your body. And if you listen to it, you will be able yeah. to then make, and it's about making small progressive changes over time rather than being um, put off or like, you know, when you find something difficult, that's actually a really good thing because you'll get mm. very good. You'll get much, you'll see much bigger improvements at the very start of anything, which that yeah. is motivating and encouraging rather than uh, if you find everything easy to try and do super hard stuff, <laughs> that then mm-hmm. is a much, much longer journey. So anytime you find something really difficult, that's great. Think of it that way around. It's great because I'm going to make some really fast improvements in those early stages. 
Yeah, and I, I think the other thing is what I use, I, I like my analogies, but I use the other analogy of we live now in an Amazon economy. And what I mean by that is you want to click and you want to get the result in 24 hours. And with health and fitness, if if you want it to be long and sustainable, it doesn't work like that. And I think people get frustrated and give up if they don't get six pack abs in five minutes or, or you know, or they, they, you know, they can't run a marathon after training for two weeks and everything else like that. And I think it is, you have to accept that it just takes time. And like you say, it's progression and working through it. But the best time to start is, is now really. And just, uh, I get passionate you know, about that. Sorry, just because, um, we, we think we want it quick in I like that you, uh, I like your analogy as well you like and you like your own analogy I like the fact that you like your own analogies that's good but, um, <laughs> yeah. the we think we want it quick where is the right. where on earth is the sense of achievement if I go like I can't do a plank it's true where is this the sense of achievement when I can finally do one is going to be off the charts I'm going to be going absolutely bonkers because it's yeah. taking me like years and years and years and years and years to be able to do whereas if I, t- if I, if I, I can't tell you the things that I've learned in five minutes because they don't resonate with you because they don't, True. the sense of achievement is not there. So with, there's this like pull, we want it easy and the world gives us that environment where things come quick and we, and we think we want that, but actually we don't, mm. we don't want that because what we want is we want to feel happy. We want senses of achievement. We want to feel that That's like true. intrinsic, that like nice sense of like, I've worked hard at that and that makes me feel good. But it yeah, comes at that cost of like, or it just comes in that, that um, it's almost like a, a tug of war. We've got on one side, we want it easy and we want it quick. But on the other side, <laughs> we don't. Because when we get it easy and quick, there's no, you know, you don't celebrate when something, like maybe it depends what you want no. from Amazon. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah. it is. My, my wife has ordered some stuff that come from America and it took within six weeks to come. When that baby dropped yeah. through the door, we were like, yes, it's finally arrived. <laughs> Whereas the thing from Amazon that comes the next day, you're like, oh, yeah, sweet, that came. Awesome. I've yeah. been yeah, that's Amazon, true. After no, a while, that's... you're a bit like, you know, you expect it to come. If Amazon sent it me in two days, I'm like fuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is a very good point. No, I, I do agree. The sense of achievement um, is, is very important. Um, so, um, Jacko, you are the human flag guy. You love doing the human flag. So you guys teach people how to do human flag for, for people that perhaps don't know what the human flag is. Can you just explain what that is and, and how, you know, you managed to do it in seven weeks? What, what kind of process does that, that entail? Um, so the human flag is, um, is essentially you as a human trying to look like a flag. Um, right. No, so, I'm, I'm t- so you can't use the words to explain something what something is. The you're, you're, you're basically your body is out horizontally, your yeah. feet, your hands on a bar or on 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 like a, a ladder, um, yeah, and over your arms stretched out overhead, your body in its full like length, and your feet are somehow staying up horizontal in line with the rest of your body, um, and it looks. I say when I first ever saw one, you're like, is that real? Is that do people yeah. do that? How on earth? How on earth? That that can't be real. Anyway, um, it turns out that like it's not as uh, t- and Tim explains it at workshops when he says it's actually not that difficult or it's not that complicated because in essence it isn't when we break it down. But it's still I tell okay. enough because it's like it's still hard from a strength yeah. perspective, obviously. But um, the bottom arm effectively is pushing and is like an anchor. The top okay. arm is pulling, and those two opposite forces create torque. So torque is a rotational force that 
helps to ha- provide that rotational like leverage to pull the hips up to get the hips mm-hmm. in line with the rest of your trunk. We then need to make a connection to that top pulling arm towards the hip on that top side. So that becomes right. like, basically becomes three components, the bottom arm pushing, the top arm pulling, and then making a, a lateral connection between the hip on that top side to that pulling arm. You do those three things with like max with, with enough force, then you will be able to to, to defy gravity, um, right? And become the human flag, and it's yeah. yeah, no, surprisingly, I mean, we learned very poorly because in the in the early days we were literally, as people said to us in the gym, we were effectively just messing around. We refined <laughs> our process, and we teach people in you know we teach people in a half or a third of the time to do stuff that it did take us like when, my, when yeah. you, i think you're referencing there's a youtube video where we had three guys that learned it in seven weeks it took us way yeah. longer than that and yeah, when they do it you're, sure. like, you're like almost part of me as a coach you're like brilliant like look how fast we've taught them and at the same time you go yeah. oh you don't know how long it took me to do it but um, <laughs> it's it just shows that the coaching process works when we when we break it down for people we work on the yeah. individual components and then we build it back up um people can learn to do that redefining possible that you know it, those those guys on that youtube video it felt impossible for them when they first started as well um, mm, yeah so so if we can talk about the elements involved in that and obviously you you've explained the technique but if we're thinking about if we're going back to what we were talking about earlier about movement and strength my assumption obviously is that it's you know you need good core strength what about you know your movement and what are the various elements that that ensure that you can do something like that in the first place? Right, it's it, it's breaking the pattern down. So like something like an over like a human flag, it, you have to be you have to have full range of movement to do it well at least in the shoulder. Right, um, and typically at end ranges um, through a joints range of movement at the end range, we are typically weaker and less stable um, because mm-hmm. we don't train in those positions very often. We don't move in those positions, positions enough with enough um, intensity. So what happens is because we spend so much time in positions like bench presses and rows and that sort of thing, or, or even shoulder presses is, is um, we don't really kind of expose ourselves to that end range position. The brain, if it senses instability, just winds back mobility. And it says, right, you're not you're right. not strong and you're unstable in that back end range of movement. So I'm just going to give you less range of movement so you can't go there and therefore compromise the system. Okay. That's the, the conversation that's kind of going on. So things like human flags and handstands and, and it depends. It's, uh, the, the movement uh, requirements change based on the, the, the exercise that we're looking at doing. But the human flags is, is a good example is if nobody's really – in, a, in, a, in your standard gym or often any sort of training environment, train full range of movement with hands overhead, maximal effort, push and pull in an isometric pattern. Mm-hmm. So a yeah. big part of all of these movements is just a skill acquisition. We've got to teach you to move in a new way. And everyone can do that because we can all lay down like more or additional neural circuitry to connect joints, muscles, yeah. movement patterns together so that we can teach ourselves to move in new ways. That, that principle of neuroplasticity. Um, yeah. which is super exciting. So people can look at anything in calisthenics and go, do you know what? Human flag, that's me. I'm all over that. Or oh, I really want to be able to do a muscle. Yeah. That's cool. You just need to understand the process and you've got to understand the physical requirements that you need in order to learn that, that movement successfully. It, and it, and that's the biggest thing that we've tried to do with the school of calisthenics is make what stuff, which looks super complicated and super difficult as accessible, as easy as possible. So hopefully you'll find that with the training programs that you're going through. But if someone can do five pull-ups, they can start our yeah. human flag training program and they'll have success if they put right. the time in and and they're patient enough to go through and, and sort of be diligent with the process. 
Yeah, I, I, and I think that's that's the attractive part about it, particularly for me, is that you know you it, this is achievable. Whilst you, when you look at it, you're like, wow, I could never do something like that. But actually, as you, like you say, once you break it down and you look at it, it is completely achievable. So, and yeah, and you the, can remember, the, like we when we we started, Tim dislocated his shoulder more times than he can remember. I I, right. I had I broke my scapula, a coracoid process and a chrome process in two places. And have a separated AC joint that's still separated. Like we started with enough injuries um, that proves that even if you're injured, like <laughs> yeah. you can still redefine your impossible. You have to obviously get over your injuries and manage those. But yeah, it we are living proof, and I think that's one of the things that has resonated with people. If we were gymnasts and had always been gymnasts mm. and were just like retired gymnasts, you know, I would even beg the question myself. We're like, well, you've always been able to do a handstand. Like that's no bigger yeah. thing for you. Um, I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that that, is, that has resonated with our sort of audience, with our our community. They can see that they've seen that those that have watched from the beginning, they've saw how bad yeah. we were at the start. Um, yeah, and they've seen that journey. But but I think also as well, it's it's mindset, isn't it? It's it's kind of putting yourself in that mindset that you are willing um, to to kind of fail in the early stages, and and you're willing to make mistakes. And I think you know, providing you have that right mindset. And I can't remember which one of you said it now. It's not, you know, you don't use the excuse that, oh, I'm getting, I'm this age, so I can't do this anymore and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're in the right mindset, you can still pretty much with the right, you know, amount of time and effort and skill, you, you can achieve it. Yeah. And what's your other option in that situation? If you look at it and go, oh, it's just not really for me, but you know, you've got some stuff to deal with. Like you're, mm. you've made a decision about the course that you want to go on for the rest of your life. And I think the good yeah. things in life happen in whatever context you want to apply it in when we start to kind of not accept the path of least resistance and we go for promotions mm. that we maybe think are a little bit of a stretch or we move to different countries, yeah. we change our family dynamics, whatever it might be. Growth comes mm-hmm. through doing something different to what we're currently doing and, and being okay with the risk that we might struggle we might not find it hard but i mean how many sports cliches are there about failure um you could probably have Mm. a good conversation if you're reading some of those (laughs) off but ultimately like fail fast and learn is the is the upshot and yeah if it doesn't work like just try something else and and that's where the value has got to come in and and then you start growing that conversation around well okay well you're gonna have more success if you're part of a community you're gonna have more success if you surround yourself with people yeah. who can do what you want to do like all of that sort of stuff comes in and it's all true so um yeah there's a number of different things that you can do to to put on your to, to, to sort of stack the deck in your favor but my big thing around all of this is if like don't sit and complain about it and or be feel mm. negative about it like yeah. you, you've got to go out there and go and get it like and I'm, i don't want people to feel that as me being like insensitive no. but i just think you when it comes to movement if we take like the, the brain's three major concerns or primary objectives is survival movement and then prediction or, or per- yeah. threat perception if we don't move like that's a massive issue for survival. So you, you, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. And, and that's how important we think it is. So yes, we do some cool stuff and there's some really fun things in calisthenics to play around with. But what are we really passionate about? Movement and being strong and being yeah. stable and having a human movement system, which is all of those things together. Because through having some fun with calisthenics, I get a human body which can really enable me to enjoy my life. So it, there's, a, there's kind of, we, when, when we started out in calisthenics, we actually just wanted to do a human flag because we thought it was cool. And the more we've done it, 
like the more we've laid it on and go, do you know what? This is actually way more, way more impactful or powerful than, than what we originally set out to do. But yeah. it was a massive shift change in how we saw training and movement. We don't, I haven't done an mm. upper body weights based session for seven years. I haven't touched a bench press or anything like that for, since we started calisthenics. It's, it's that, yeah. it's that enjoyable to me that I don't need to do it. Um, yeah. And what happened People before, struggle with that, don't they? The, yeah. To get that, we had it at workshops. The guy was like, hold oh, it. Can I just ask a question? Right here. It was, like, it was like completely, we were doing like handstands of it. Like, do you guys do any weights? And it was like, no, it's just, it was like, what? Really? You don't do any weights? Yeah. And they just, we just, you know, it's a question we just struggle to get, people struggle to get their heads around that like resistance training can be in the form of your body weight as the resistance. Yeah. And you can still get a decent yeah. set of shoulders by doing it. Like, yeah. And what, I, I think that, even better. I, yeah. I think that's what I love about it. You know, it, it is, it, I don't know whether it's some kind of primal thing where it's using your own body against you. If that if that kind of makes sense, mm. you'll probably correct me. But but it's kind of like using what you already have to to make yourself better. And there's some kind of well, for me anyway, it might sound a quite bit weird, but it's some kind of you know attraction to me around that. You know, you, you don't need all these massive machines, and you can you've got your own body, and you can create you know, create yourself into this kind of human flag if you like but um yeah it's that that's what's um really attractive for my for me personally so in terms of you mentioned there about the classes and stuff you do obviously you guys have got your online workshops you've got when obviously when lockdown's not here you've got um classes and stuff so what kind of um things can people get involved in uh yeah if they want to start and get an explore like introduction to calisthenics then there's probably two main options we've got our online training programs we call it our virtual classroom um and that's a, a an online system where we've got the course that you're working through at the moment bodyweight basics there's movement specifics yeah. in there so if you want to learn a handstand we've got one of what we think is one of um the best um processes and evidence-based approaches to learning to do a handstand um based around sort of the skill acquisition process and really streamlining it down to the to the the essential components that people need to learn that skill um, or movement pattern. Um, we've got things like we did a partnership with Ollie Frost, a movement and mobility masterclass. So if people want to move better, invest in their physical pension, yeah. we've got something for them in there. So it's really kind of a, an online platform which provides everything that someone's going to need to sort of get into calisthenics and then also to progress through to being able to, to just change the way they train, have some fun with it. Um, our kind of three um, sort of... Uh, our three key pillars of what we want people to do is think about moving better, getting strong and having fun. It's dead simple. And that's what, that's how we present calisthenics. You'll, you'll find there's some serious tutorials and there's also some fun stuff where it's just Jack and I and the rest of the coaching team playing with movement <laughs> and having a good time because that's, yeah. we should train because we enjoy it. Right. Like if we're going to the gym and hating it, 100%. like what is the point um, of yeah. forcing ourselves to that? Your brain's not having a good time. So, and that has an impact on, on how you move. And then the other option is like, as, as you say, we're, we're actually running a, an online handstand, um, workshop this weekend and we do do face-to-face -face, a lot of face-to-face -face workshops around the country when we're allowed to sort of occupy the same space as people outside of lockdown yeah um, and we're hopefully getting those back up and running as soon as, as we're able and we run retreats we're going to Sri Lanka in December for an international retreat wow. we've got a retreat in the UK in uh, an incredible estate up in, in Yorkshire um, so we've got loads of stuff going on um, and people can find out about all of it at our, on our website or find us on social um, school of calisthenics.com or searches across any of those social channels and you'll find a, a loads of this is, we, we've got so much free stuff on youtube as well if people just want to get started and dip the toe in yeah definitely i would highly encourage um, all the listeners to go over and have a look at your website 
yeah your free course is amazing uh quite frankly there's so much content in there yeah youtube channel is great and also your podcast guys as well which is uh school of calisthenics as well right yeah you nailed it as well right at the end as well <laughs> there we go <laughs> that was a tense moment so um are there any other ways that guys can connect with you? Have you got any books coming out, any new products or stuff that you're working on? Uh, we have got, yeah, we've got, so we've got, um, we're adding to, you know, we're sort of adding to the, um, what online members uh, get all the time. Um, so we have got new programs coming out. We've got a nutrition um, course that we've teamed up with a, um, a sports nutritionist and dietitian that works in pro sport out in America uh, that shares the same ethos of us that sort of, health should be first and then you'll get good you'll yep. performance off the back of good health so that's coming in the next few months um and then we're revamping our muscle up programs we're also developing like a strength play conditioning um so there's a, there's a ton of stuff that's we're, we're effectively like we're always trying to take feedback from our from our audience from our our, our customers or the community and in providing for them you know it's about them and so we're trying to provide yeah. for them what they uh, what they want so there's been um yeah the online handstand workshop that we're doing this weekend has obviously come off the back of um the covid situation but it's something that people yeah. have asked for and that we will we're delivering and then like we're looking at more you know we don't know how long this phase is going to go on for so sort of more workshops like that more live sessions um where people can still get that coaching feedback um as well as uh uh, as well as we'll, once we can do stuff face to face, we'll uh, we'll be able to get those workshops back up and running as well. Yeah, amazing. So, um, before we wrap up, then, guys, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel I should have asked you, which would benefit the listeners? <laughs> I think we've, <laughs> I we've think covered really witty now. <laughs> yeah, no, we've covered the major bases. I think hopefully people yeah. have got an understanding of how we see movement, um, and it's uh, yeah, we again if. It, there's a tendency for us at the level of um uh, i don't know it's passion or <laughs> it is passion but we get passionate about the movement side of things and encouraging people to take action yeah. but as i said we started out and we did it because we were having we were having a good time and i thought that handstand push-ups were cool and they are still cool um and it's um <laughs> and always be cool. we uh, we don't find that people regret trying it so a lot of people will come to us if they've got bored of the gym or they're looking for something different they want to try and change things up for whatever their own personal reasons are it's extremely addictive um in a positive way um and Mm. a lot of people will come to calisthenics and they were like this has changed my life so the impact there is is huge and um hopefully we've we've encouraged people or given people enough reasons to, to explore it yeah absolutely um and it's been amazing to have you on today i really appreciate your time um and coming on to to talk to us um and like i said you know guys go and check out school of school i can't even pronounce school <laughs> that's the easy one <laughs> oh. school of dot <laughs> com. um yeah don't use my pronunciation um just google it it, it will come up um but yeah thanks very much guys for coming on today and um i look forward to catching up with you again soon yeah, awesome. pleasure, pleasure all thank you. thanks for having us Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.